Amen. That is what we believe. Go ahead and grab a seat. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church. And that really is, as Jeannie said, been our focus for the last month leading up to Easter. Is how is it this Jesus, who has so much has been written about, so much has been studied about, so much of human attention and affection has been devoted to, how is it that he's literally changed everything, including us? And how does he do that on an ongoing basis? So we've spent the last couple weeks exploring that, all leading up to this weekend here at Easter, where we see just how it is that everything is now different because of the love and the sacrifice and the life of Jesus. And as Jeannie said as well, we've been working hard to get ready for this weekend. You know, this is, uh, I had some friends who came to the last service, and the way I described Easter to them, because they're not church-going folks, I'm like, you know, this is the Super Bowl of church. You know, like, Easter's a big deal. And so, you know, th- we've been working hard to get ready so you can have a great experience with God this morning. And there was a point in this week, earlier this week, where I was in the middle of doing all that and working, and, and I was hanging a shelf, you know, and I, I, was, I was having to design some stuff for here at the church graphic-wise, and I had my son with me, and he was running around, and at one point I look at, he's got the drill, and he's running around with the drill, like, Dad, look at this awesome gun! And I'm just like, oh, man, where's DCFS? You know, and, and I'm hanging this shelf, and I'm just going, I, you know, I went to Bible school, like, I don't know if I'm qualified to be hanging shelves, you know, because we're all working so hard to get ready for this weekend, and I just stopped and thought in the middle, I was like, what, like, what would happen if I just sort of, uh, like, what if I quit? Not that I was really seriously thinking about it before you get concerned. Like, but I was like, what would happen if I just stopped this week? Like, what, what would happen on Sunday? And what probably would happen is what's happened every day since the beginning of time is Sunday would still come. And you all would be here. And it would be a lot more awkward. Because I wouldn't be here, or at least I wouldn't be ready. And I just had this moment, because I got to that place, and I know you've gotten there too, where you just feel like things are so overwhelming. And there, those are times where you just want to kind of throw in the towel and go... Ah, enough. You know, it's just too hard. Have you ever felt that way? It's just like, it's just so hard. It's not like you're really going to quit or you're really going to walk out, but you just go, it's just so hard. I just wish I could just, you know, take a time out, take a break. What would happen if I did, right? Because for many of us, we believe the world around us would absolutely fall apart, right? I mean, if you were to do that, if you were to walk into work tomorrow and do that, some things would change, right? Some definitely, like they would stop putting money in your bank and things like that would definitely change if you just said, yeah, I give up. You know, for some of us, like, uh, you know, the, like you're in a relationship, you're dating, you're married. Like, if you were to say, you know, I don't know, I just want to take a break. It's hard. I'm not leaving you. I'm just not, I'm just not going to put as much work into it because it's hard. It's complicated. You're complicated. It's hard. <laughs> like, if you were to do that, how do you think that relationship would go? It would probably hit some rocky times, right? If you were just to give up taking care of yourself, I'm not going to shower anymore. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of steps involved. There's soaping and shampooing and rinsing and lathering and repeating. It's just a lot of work. Well, that would solve the relationship thing because no one would go out with you. No one would want to hang out with you. Like if you were to really truly just give up sort of the will to live, if you were to give up and lower your expectations to the lowest possible common denominator, I mean, you know what they'd call you? They'd call you a Cubs fan. You know, they was, what, that hurt. It? All right, so... I'm just saying, I'm just saying, saying. we kid, we kid, we kid, right? There's those moments, and we all have them, where we just want to throw in the towel. You know, it's just so complicated. And the problem is, for many of us, is we tend to want to throw in the towel for all the wrong things, for all the wrong reasons. We want to throw in the towel for all the wrong things. We want to quit and give up on all the wrong things for all kinds of wrong reasons. But at the center of the story of Easter that we've gathered here to celebrate, there is surrender 
And there is a throwing in of the towel that matters. In fact, it's the only one that matters. And it's to the only one that matters. And this morning, we're going to explore the idea in the middle of all of this celebration of the life of Easter. We're going to celebrate this moment of surrender that is absolutely essential for Easter to happen. There is a moment of surrender in the life of Jesus. There's a moment of surrender in our lives that makes Easter possible. That actually gives us a reason to celebrate. I don't know if you've thought about it much at all. I think the, the, this sort of holiday Easter is a very interesting one. Because you know, a lot of folks, Christmas and Easter are the times that they go out to church. Right? These, are the big, these are the big ones. These are the Super Bowls. These are the big World Cups of church. Like, this is a big deal. And so, like, Christmas is great because everyone gets dressed up for that one. And it's pretty easy because there's baby Jesus. Like, that's not really complicated. You know, it's like, it's baby Jesus, and there's a manger, and hay, and sheep, and geese lane, and there's all kinds. You know, that's really... Easter, though, is very different because Christmas celebrates the birth of Jesus. Easter celebrates the death of Jesus. That's, that's, that's something you have to kind of wrap your head and your heart around to really be able to celebrate is the, the death and resurrection of Easter. We all still get dressed up and we all still show up to church. And by the way, let me just tell you, y'all look great this morning. I meant to tell you that earlier. You do look nice. And so we get all dressed up and we come to church to celebrate a death and a resurrection. A death that wouldn't be possible without a moment of surrender. And a celebration that isn't possible without a moment of surrender in our own lives. And if you've ever thought about what it must have been like for those first followers of Jesus, you know, he had, uh, there were crowds that followed him, but the Bible tells us there was a, a dozen or so that stayed very close, and about another couple dozen or so that were around them that really stayed with Jesus for the last three years of his life. And during those three years, he invited ordinary people just like you and me, like messed up, ordinary, don't have it all together people just like you and me. He invited them to follow him. And he invited them into relationship and life with him. And so they did. And with Jesus, they heard powerful, literally life-changing, earth-shaking teachings and truths. And we still study those teachings and truths today. They saw Jesus perform miracles, amazing things. People were being healed, literally, like people were sick and now they're better. They couldn't walk and now they're dancing. They were dead and now they're, you know, not dead. I guess alive would be the word. And so, like, these are amazing miracles. They watched Jesus pray these passionate and personal prayers to his father that encompassed the intimacy of a relationship that he called daddy when he prayed. Abba was the word he used. And yet honored the greatness and the power of God in his prayer. So they had witnessed and seen and been a part of a whirlwind of change that had happened over the last three years of Jesus' life. And they had their own sort of ideas and expectations and plans about where this thing was going. And it was not going to where Jesus was taking it. Because ultimately, Jesus knew that he would have to take it to a cross. And he had explained to his followers again and again and again, implicitly. He spelled it out for them. Here's why the Son of Man has come. I have come to go and pay the price that could not be paid by you. I am going to a cross. He made it very clear. He told them the what. He told them the how. He told them the why several times. I'm going to a cross. This is my Father's will. This is His plan that I go and I, perfect, sinless, blameless Jesus, the only one in human history to not sin, fully human, fully God, I am the one sent by God to go and pay a price that could not be paid. This is at the center. This is the cross. And God, by His power, will raise me from the dead. 
This is life that comes through the resurrection. That's what we celebrate on Sunday. He made that incredibly clear for his followers. And yet, and yet, and yet, we see from Good Friday to Easter Sunday, they completely lose all hope and throw in the towel. Because their Savior, their teacher, their leader, their friend is dead. He's gone. It's over. Despite everything he told them, despite literally hundreds of prophecies over thousands of years, it's not like there was a lack of information or preparation for this moment, but for whatever reason, they get to this moment and Jesus is now gone and Jesus is dead and this was not a part of their plan. It had always been a part of God's plan, but it wasn't a part of their plan and it wasn't according to their terms and it wasn't what they would have chosen. Because what we see is after Jesus has died, his followers literally run and hide for fear of their own lives. Like if they're going to take out the head guy, they're coming for us next. And so they ran and hid and locked themselves up in a house. And because Jesus died on a Friday leading into the Sabbath, it was a custom in Jewish culture that you don't work on the Sabbath. You don't go near dead things. You don't prepare food. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. You truly rest. And so what we see here is Jesus is literally kind of a rush job to get him into the grave after he's crucified on Friday night. They get him in here. They roll a stone over in a borrowed grave. They put Jesus in there. He's not properly embalmed. He's not properly prepared to be in that grave for the rest of you know, human history. And so they have to sit and wait on Saturday, locked up in a house for fear of their own lives. And so when Sunday morning comes we see a few of the followers, actually the women who had followed Jesus, go to properly prepare him to be embalmed and to be in that tomb. And something very interesting happens. After watching their Savior, the Son of God, their friend, their teacher, their leader, die a brutal death on a cross. And see his body literally be placed into this tomb. They come back Sunday morning and the, the stone, the giant stone that had been put in front of the tomb, had been rolled away. It was like literally like moved over. And so we see some of the followers of Jesus come in and they're like, now they're totally freaked out and confused. Because first he's dead and now he's gone. Like this is not how we would have laid this thing out. And so what we're going to do is hop in for a minute at this moment because it's a powerful moment of surrender when one of the followers of Jesus literally has to surrender what she thought God would be, what she thought this plan would be to the one who actually came to fulfill it. So if you have a Bible, uh, which is actually every one of you, because there's Bibles right in front of you now, so you kind of don't have an excuse, like there's a Bible there if you want it, uh, you can take that out. And open to John chapter 20, and we're going to look at this moment that Jesus has with Mary Magdalene. Now Mary Magdalene was a woman who, as best we can understand from history in the Bible, comes from sort of a sordid past, but whose heart had been broken by Jesus, whose life was now devoted to Jesus. And she had several moments in the story, her story, had several public outpourings of affection and devotion to Jesus. She was a devoted follower of Jesus. And so it's Mary who comes and is sitting outside the tomb. And the body's gone and she's freaking out and she doesn't know what to do. And we're going to jump down to John chapter 20, verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Because again, none of this was according to her plan. And as she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. So there was a slab that they had placed Jesus on to lay on, and there's two angels. That's not normal. There's two angels sitting there, and there's very specific instructions here, because this is a reference to the Ark of the Covenant. 
Now, I know many of you are part-time biblical archaeologists, <clears throat> or at least you've watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. So you know like, that was part of the carving in t- on the top of the Ark of the Covenant was two angels that sat at the ends of the Ark of the Covenant. So now we see two angels sitting on this slab where the body of Jesus had once laid. It's a reference back to God's original promise that there would be salvation, that there would be a way. And so the angels are sitting there, and Mary's standing there, and no one really quite knows what to do at this point. So they're looking at her, she's looking at them. At this, she turned around, saw the angels, and verse 15, uh, I'm sorry, jump back, sorry, verse 13. They asked her, they said to Mary, Woman, why are you crying? Now, there's a lot wrapped up into this, but I want to hit pause real quick. Um, because there have been many men that have asked this question throughout human history. And it's never gone well. And this is one of those moments where just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean you get to say it. And so guys, I just want to say next time you're with a woman and she's crying, you don't just say, woman, why are you crying? That doesn't work. Like for angels, that works, right? But for you, you don't get to do that, all right? That's just like, that's one of those things in the Bible you don't get to repeat. But they ask her, they say, woman, and this is not a derogatory statement at all, they're asking her, they're calling out to her, woman, why is it that you are crying. They know why. She says, they've taken away my Lord. They've taken away. That's her assumptions that someone came and stole the body of Jesus. And I don't know where they've put him. Verse 14. At this point, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But, and this is why I love the Bible, she didn't recognize that it was Jesus. She had spent the last three years of her life following this person. She came to the tomb looking for this person. And she turns around and sees this person, but doesn't recognize who it was. Verse 15, Jesus asks the exact same question. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Now, this is great, right? This is why I love the Bible. And this is actually one of the reasons I believe it's true, because it really embarrasses a lot of the people who are in it. And she says right here, thinking he was the what? Gardener, which is so great. It's like groundskeeper Jesus, you know, like she doesn't recognize that it's actually Jesus. She just assumes it's the gardener. She's so distraught in her grief, so overwhelmed by her plans, not going the way she wanted them to go or thought they should go. And she says to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me, tell me where you put him. I'll go get him. Now look what Jesus says. Instead of giving an explanation, instead of running over the plan one more time, instead of reading back the countless prophecies about this very moment, Jesus simply says, Mary. He says her name, Mary. And at the sound of his voice and at the sound of her name coming off of his lips, she at once recognizes who it is and breaks out and cries out and says, Rabboni, which is literally Aramaic for teacher, my teacher, my leader, my savior. She calls out and recognizes Jesus in that moment. And the reason she recognizes him is because he spoke her name in the middle of a plan that did not go as she would have chosen. He says, Mary, 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 it's me, it's Jesus. And I know who you are. And at once she recognizes who he is. This is a very powerful moment because this is not the plan, this is not the story that anyone else would have written. Only God would have written a story where he sends his son, his perfect blameless son into our broken and messed up world for the salvation of our sins. We would not have written that story. The sacrifice that was paid by Jesus, the once and for all price that was paid for all of my wrongdoing, all of yours, all of human histories. We wouldn't have written it that way, but God did. 
And Mary had to come to a moment where she recognized, oh, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Your plan is far greater than mine. Your way is far better than mine. And it was her moment, her opportunity to surrender her will, her way to God. Again, surrender is one of those words in our culture that we don't like. Because in our culture, surrender means quitting. Surrender means giving up. Surrender means for many people, that's the end of the story, right? Once you surrender, they win, you lose. But that's not the way it works for God. We surrender to so many things for so many wrong reasons. But there's one thing to surrender. And that is our lives, our trust, our faith to God. Surrender simply is this. And this might be a way to help you remember what this idea is. You're thinking about it in your head. Is surrender, honestly, is just choosing to lose the battle of control to God. Surrender, simply put, is just you choosing to lose the battle of control to God. You choosing to lose the battle over control of how you thought it should be, the way you think God should do it. Jeannie taught us last week, like we try and convince God that our will should be done and this is what he should do. Surrender is simply choosing to lose the battle of control with God so that you can say, oh, wait a second, I have thought it would work this way. In fact, I am working towards it working this way. But I see and I trust, and I may not have all the details, but you have a better way for me. That's surrender. That's surrendering to the right thing, for the right reason, to the only one who can truly change things. That's not just sort of giving up. That's not the end of the story. For many of us, that's the beginning. That's where it all starts. At the end of us trying to control and hold our life together by our own strength and our own power. And we say, no, no. I choose to surrender that control to the one who's already won. The one who's already won. The one who's already defeated sin and death and any excuse and any and all of my past and anything I thought could separate me from the love of God. I choose to surrender to the one who's already won. That's what's at the center of Easter. And it looks different for every one of us, but it always ends at God. The details look different for every one of us, but it always ends at God. And if you've been around Soul City and you've heard me talk before, like I became a Christian uh, at a young age. It was very, very simple. I think I was seven years old. And I had heard in church them talk about heaven and hell. And like heaven was this really beautiful place. There's lots of clouds. And for some reason, there's naked babies playing harps. And like, you know, I kind of heard that. Like, I kind of heard like you get to do whatever you want. So I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. And then I heard about hell. And it's like, there's like darkness and fire and people poking you in the eyes all day. And I was like, this seems like a no brainer to me. Like, I don't understand why there's any debate or conflict. Like, I choose this. And so as a little, like, six, seven-year-old kid, I knelt down next to my little Star Wars sheets, and I prayed a very little simple prayer. And, like, that was it, right? And I'd made a decision. I really believe in that moment I had chosen God. But what ended up happening along the way is I began to work out the details on my terms. So, God, I'm in. We're in, right? We're good. So here's the deal. I'll do good things for you so long as you do good things for me. God, I'll help out around church. I'll read the Bible. I'll get up sometimes and pray and not fall asleep while I'm doing it. Like, I'll kind of do all these good things so long as you never let any harm or bad come to my life. Deal? Like, that was kind of my deal that I had made with God. And it all started to fall apart right around the time I was in college. I had it on my terms, according to my plan, the way that this thing should work. My relationship with God on my terms. 
And I remember in college, I got to this point where it's just, it was just too much. It just wasn't working. And I was working so hard at being a good person and having all the right answers and doing all the right things. But I was dead inside. And I remember being in the middle of my college campus. I'm right there in the middle of the plaza. And like a crazy person, I mean like a crazy person, I yell out loud to God, that's it, I quit, I'm out, I'm done. Like I had to yell so he'd hear me, you know. And I'm like, I'm done, I quit. Like because every one of my friends who doesn't care about you, they don't care about you, like they are smoking and drinking and sleeping with anything that moves and having a great time doing it. And here I am being good and I am dead inside. And so I said, I quit. If this is the deal, I quit. And I had, for whatever reason, in that moment, a fleeting little, like, you know, Hail Mary little pass out where I said, okay. But Jesus, if you have anything for me, I'll listen. Because I've done religion and I'm done with it. And it's done me in. But Jesus, if you, if you have something for me, I'll listen. I'll listen to you because there is something different about you that far supersedes all this religious activity and effort. And it was a moment for me where I really began to go, wait a second, there is a way that is greater than my way. There is a way, there's a life that is better than this life that I've tried to control on my own terms. I had to surrender in that moment and say, I'm not going to manage my goodness anymore. I can't. I will never be good enough. And all of that activity has actually left me further from God. I surrender. The right thing for the right reason to the right one. The one who had already won. And I know that for every one of us in here, there are places where we desperately need to throw in the towel. To surrender. For some of you, you've been a Christian for a long time. You're, you're in. Like you got, you're in. You're like a professional Christian. You're varsity. You got it. You not only have multiple Bibles, you have multiple pen colors in your Bibles. There's tabs. There's all kinds of things. You have all kinds of Christian music. You even have a Christian bumper sticker. We don't judge you for that. Like it's, <laughs> listen, it, you're, you got it. But for some of us, for some of us who've been doing that thing, who've been a Christian for a long time, there are some places where it's become more about what you do than what God does. It's become more about your righteousness than His. Rather, your self-righteousness. In fact, for some of us who've been Christians for a long time, this crazy thing happens. You've become incredibly judgmental of other people who aren't as spiritual as you. And you judge people at work. And you judge people on the news. And you judge people as you see in the streets because they haven't figured out sort of what you've figured out. And maybe, just maybe, you've been doing this thing so long, there are parts of you that have become a hypocrite. Because everything looks great on the outside, but there's stuff that you're still hiding on the inside where you still want to fight to win that battle of control. And I know that for you this weekend, this day, this Easter day, it's time to surrender that. Just surrender playing the game of religion and come before the cross and the resurrected Jesus and say, okay, it's your way, it's your way, it's your way. For others of us, there's aspects of our life that we need to surrender where we just try to hold it all together, we try to keep it all going, whether it's your finances and you're just fighting to sort of keep things on your terms according to your master plan that you've set out, whether it's your future, where you thought you'd be at this point in your life, 
You thought you'd be married by now. And it seems like every one of your friends around you is getting married. And not only are they getting married, they're asking you to be in their wedding. You just want to punch them in the teeth. Like, are you serious? One more wedding that's not mine? And you fought so hard to hold on to that control of the plan as you imagined it. I was talking with and praying with some friends on Friday night who so desperately want to have a child. And for two years, they have prayed and fought. And they thought it would work out according to their time. And it's just not right now. And they are literally in the middle of, do we fight for this thing against God? Or do we surrender and say, God, meet us in this. Meet us in this longing. Meet us in this pain. For others of us, it's the hidden little patterns, little addictions, little things that we like to think we have in control because no one else sees them. And we can get all dressed up and, and kind of put on a good show, but we know that there are patterns and addictions in our life that literally have a hold of us and are choking the life out of us. And yet, for some reason, we're fighting to keep those as a part of our life. And for you this weekend, you this Easter Sunday, it's time to surrender all, all of it. Say, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I can't do it. I give up. You know, for some of us this weekend, it's the opportunity to say, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not just that or just that or just that. It's kind of all of it. And you realize that you have been living life on your own terms, your own plan, your own way, you in control. And when you come face to face with the cross of Jesus and the empty tomb where God, by His power, raised Jesus from the dead. Maybe it's this Easter Sunday that you say, all right, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all my answers. I don't have it all lined up. But I know that I cannot keep doing this on my own anymore. And I need to lose the battle of control to God with my whole life and say yes to a God who already said yes to me through the cross and through the tomb. Because you've convinced yourself that you, there's no way this could work for you. Like you get it that it's for other people, but not you. You've done too much. You've messed up too much. You've gone too far. It's too much for God to accept you. And yet what we see at the cross and what we see resurrected in the tomb and what Mary had to come face to face with is a Jesus who now stands in front of you and says your name. Says your name to you. That it's me. I'm the one. I'm the one that you've been searching for, longing for, that you need. And will you surrender this battle of control to me, to the one who's already won? We're going to have an experience here in a moment where we actually do that. We love uh, taking our faith seriously and practically around here at Soul City. And so what I want you to do is grab, there's a white cloth in front of you. And it's on a chair in front of you. So just grab it. As everyone leans forward, grab the one that they're sitting on so you all can have one. And I want you to think for a minute about this as a white flag of surrender. I want you to think for a second about this as... um, what your surrender might be. What that thing might be for you that you choose to lose the battle of control over. And as you think about that, what that might be for your life, we're going to uh, let you watch a story, a story of someone who's a part of our Soul City community, someone who faced that very same battle just like you and I do, and who said, I choose to surrender the right thing to the right one for the right reasons so that I may have life. And so I want you to watch 
and listen to the words in a minute of a song by our friend Juliet. That's the message of Easter, is that there is nothing now, there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. Nothing. No excuse, no sin, nothing from your past. Nothing that can separate you. God went to such great lengths and spared no expense so that nothing could keep you from surrendering your life to Him. And I know Juliet, and I know her story. And I think you saw in that video when she was telling her story how her face changed when she talked about what it means to truly surrender to the one who's already won. To surrender the battle of control to Him. The freedom that has come. The wholeness that has come. It is a journey, there's no doubt about that. But why wouldn't it begin today? Why shouldn't it begin today? That you come to a cross where a price was paid that you could not pay. To a tomb that showed that there is nothing that can separate you from God's love. And say, I surrender. I give up. I give in. I trust. I choose today you. And so what we want to do is we want to create space for you to do that today. To not miss that opportunity on this Easter Sunday. This Easter Sunday. And we've set up a cross over here. We're on Friday night. A bunch of folks here for our Good Friday experience nailed sins to that cross. Things that were separating them from God that they were asking for, forgiveness for. And today what we want to do is we want to hang our flag. We want to fall down and surrender at the power of that cross and what it means today. And so for some of you, it's going to be, you know, I'm not going to play this religion game. I'm going to choose to truly follow Jesus for all of who he is with all of who I am. For some of you, some of the different areas we talked about, your finances or fear, your future, whatever it may be, you know what that is. You know what that is. And if you could ride on this cloth, you'd need like eight more yards of it. You know what it is. For some of us here this morning, it's going to be the choice to say, I'm not going to do life on my own, by my own terms, any longer. And you choose to enter into a relationship with God that was made possible through Jesus, through the cross. And this is the day, this is the day that you choose life with Him, your life with Him. And so we're going to, over the next song, give you space to come over here to the cross and to hang your little flag of surrender for whatever that means for you today on the cross, to tie it around the cross, to tie it to one of these nails, to have a moment to pray. If you want to come take space at the front of this room to just pray and say, God, this is what it is. You have to be in control. You have to be the one who I can trust. It has to be your life because this life of my own is not working without you. And today would be the day that you would choose to surrender it all to him. So I want to pray for you and then we're going to literally, like we're serious about this stuff. We get up and we move around here at Soul City Church. And we're going to give you space to do that. But let me pray for us first right now. Dear Jesus, our Jesus, our Savior, thank you that while we were in the midst of our own sin and our own choices and our own way, you came to us. And it was your plan all along to offer your life for us so that we could live. And so, Jesus, today, 
we surrender. We choose you. We choose you. And that looks a lot of different things for a lot of us in this room, but it all comes back to you. We want to surrender the right thing to the right one who's already won on our behalf. You defeated sin at the cross. You defeated death through the resurrection. There is now nothing that can separate us from your love. So God, we don't want to stand in the way of your love for us. We come, we choose, whatever it may be, to take a step closer to you today. And God, for those who are choosing to enter into life with you, that they would pray today to you, that you would come and be the Lord of their life, the forgiver of their sins, the leader of their life, and that you would give them the life that you've always desired for us to have. Today, this Easter, we pray by your amazing name and your amazing grace. Amen. So for the next few moments, we want to give you an opportunity to go and hang these on the cross tie, take a second of reflection of prayer, and we're going to sing together as we do that. So go ahead and take advantage of this time right now.